Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. Uh, you know, the OG hosts, uh, your boys riding solo today. You know, we're, we're, we got a bunch of good guests saved up in the coming future. So we thought we'd enjoy each other's company in the meantime. And we got a lot of really important things to talk about. But before we do, brief shout out to longtime sponsors of the show, your friends and ours. No judges needed. Your one-stop shop for all of your grappling apparel needs. I'm talking rash guards, t-shirts, hoodies. It's getting cold out there, everybody. Uh, different kinds of combat apparel, all for a very low price. And you can uh, go to their website and look for yourself if some of the designs are jiving with you. And you might just catch a certain uh, Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast host rocking some of their merch, talking Mr. Kevin Gallagher, making that gi look like a million bucks, no doubt. Now, I get it. COVID has everybody hurting in the wallet, something fierce. So we're here to help you out. Uh, we partnered with NJN to offer you guys a promo code, netting you 20% off all purchases. Just type in the code JJT at checkout, and it will work every time. And we cannot thank you guys enough for all the support you're giving us and giving our sponsors. Uh, it's, it's great to see these kinds of people working together. And when you're supporting NJN, you're really buying back into the community. So go show them some love. Use that promo code. Let them know we sent you. Get the, the you know... Holidays are coming up. Get the grappling enthusiast in your life that you care about some sick gear to enter 2021 with because who knows? Maybe 2021 is going to be better than 2020. I can't see how it could be worse. Knock on wood, not courting fate with anything. <laughs> never say never, Kev. All right. Uh, again, NJN, thank you guys so much for the support. Ad read over. All right. How are you doing, man? How, how are we good, feeling man. today? I'm doing better, man. You know, I've, I've been kicking this COVID. I've been sick. Uh, I tested positive, you know, as you guys may or may not know, we record on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I tested positive on Monday of this week, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. Today is Friday, so we were recording on Friday, and uh, I'm feeling better. You know, I'm still a little tired and run down, like I kind of have some residual fatigue, um, but, you know, it is what it is. I felt sick. I started feeling sick on Sunday, got tested on Monday, um, Tuesday and Wednesday were pretty bad. Like I was pretty sick on Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Wednesday was probably the worst. And then um, Thursday, I started feeling better today. I feel almost 100%. But that's my COVID uh, saga. I am a survivor now. <laughs> you are a survivor. You're standing strong. The Gallagher yeah. genes are too tough to be put down by some kind of low rent virus. Yeah, man. no, ain't no beer, beer, beer virus gonna put me down. No, no beer colds gonna put me down. But it's still, <laughs> you get worried. You know, you catch it, and then you uh, you try to convince yourself that you're not going to be. You know, oh, it's you know, there's 99, 97, 98 percent people survive, and but you're still when you're sick here in your mind, you're like, oh shit, am I going to be that one percent that ends up with a ventilator in my throat? It, <laughs> the world it suddenly gives you tunnel vision. Like you're oh, yeah. not worried about the big picture anymore. You're just like, am I going to be that asshole that is the point two percent that dies about? Not that you're an asshole for dying, no, no, no. But I just get like it. the I, unlucky I, I schmuck that gets like the the unlucky schmuck that gets it you know it's just you, you got to be thinking about that because you, you know, know it's you, not just you no man's an island you got people in your life that care about you i'm not gonna lie to you when i got 
when I got infected, I was afraid. I when I when I got the finality of it, when I had the actual positive, because I went to the Buck Stadium down the street and got a free test. Because they had, you know, they have it. I literally could walk to Buck Stadium from my house, and um, I went up to uh, to get my test, and it took about fifteen minutes for the results. And when they called me and gave me the results, and they told me I was positive, there was literally a moment of fear. You know, I was like, "Oh wow, I got the COVID!" Like it's wow, oh shit, there it is, real talk. It's 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 on now, and you know, whatever. One of the things that scared me the most was that, you know, my mother is a little bit older. My mother's eighty years old, and I hang out with her and take care of her and stuff like that and spend some time with her shout out um, to biggest hey, fan mommy. of the show mama gallagher <laughs> mommy she loves you by the way she always talks about you tell kevin i said hello <laughs> i mean i have she i've only talked with the woman one time i think and she is the the absolute sweetest you know we should have we should have her on as a guest uh a guest I mean, host one day she would oh are you kidding me a million plus it views would, easy on that one everyone wants to know what funny. she has to say we both get kit fires both of us and just right. gives the show just gets, gets the shit of my mom. But I the point explain. of it is, is that I started feeling sick Sunday morning. I woke up Sunday morning feeling ill, and um, I was supposed to hang out with my mother that day. And if I would have felt ill Sunday evening instead of Sunday morning, I could have very well got my you know my eighty year old mother sick with COVID. That's the frightening part of it. Is the fact yeah. that there's that oof, oh wow, you know, windows of uncertainty where you could infect someone that's you know has pre-existing conditions or could or elderly, you know. I, I mean, on a on a more broad sense, uh, are you? Is there any restrictions on you know Thanksgiving and holiday gatherings in Florida right now? Or? I mean, this is Florida, baby. There's no restrictions on anything. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the Wild West. <laughs> yeah, I just think about how bad things are now, and I think back to like six months ago when all those assholes were at the beach, you know, from all over the place, just congregating, and I'm like, if half of those people didn't do that, maybe this would be significantly yeah. better. You know, it's like I that ripple could- does. You don't think about it until now, but yeah, we could have possibly contained it a little bit more at that point. I think that we're getting to a point now where it's starting to become uncontainable and it's starting to become everywhere. It creeped me out. I went what you know, I went out Friday night. That's where I got sick because I'm bad and I didn't mean to, and I was you know, I'm a grown man, but it was my friend's birthday party and they were like, You're sorry, what are you worried about? You'll be fine, you should come out with us. And I was like, All right, whatever. And I went out to this club and uh literally it was like business as usual i mean there's people like shoulder to shoulder like dancing around and shit and i was like trying to avoid as much as i could and i was like what in the hell am i doing here right now (laughs) like i just saw covid 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 all you saw was like the little covid uh ball (laughs) yeah you have like the iron man you like front display and you're seeing like all the all the like the the positive tests coming back in the readout (laughs) here i am and now i'm sick but you know whatever it's rant's course now i'm just bored out of my mind i'm literally just sitting in my room doing absolutely nothing i've read i literally read a book i've i'm started watching uh Battlestar Galactica. You ever watch that? No <laughs> I used to be pretty into that. Yeah, it's, I'm it's more like, of a Trek. I'm more of a Star Trek guy myself. But like, well, everyone talks know. about how good Battlestar Galactica is supposed to be. So I decided that it's was good. It's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I feel bad that we all we had to blow through Rob Drysdale's book because that'd be a nice like yeah. COVID read for you now. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, it's it's. I, th- I think we're seeing this the the big crest of the second wave or third wave. I don't even know what wave this is, but like you know, it's we're seeing jujitsu kind of scurry back 
underneath the table for a little bit in a lot of big ways. Maybe not in gyms, but big events. You know, we're seeing uh, Philly shut down, so it's an unlikely fight to win. We'll be back there for a while. And you expressed doubts that their Florida show that you actually signed up for would go through. You know, do, do you think – do you think jujitsu has it in us to to get through another wave? Yeah, I mean, I I don't doubt the willingness and desire, particularly now because everyone's over it. I don't think anyone cares about quarantines anymore, or lockdowns. I think people are still going to be training. I think before, prior, when we were a little bit more concerned about the you know the direness of the disease, the the deadliness of the disease, we didn't really understand it as much before. I think people were really worried i think now nobody cares and i think the people are going to continue to figure out ways to train and, and, and get their training in but i don't know man like the the idea are is the venues where can you actually have events and put on events and philadelphia got shut down i guess it's, if it's not in you know the grain silo with uh chel sonnen or in uh <laughs> texas you know, or florida anymore i don't know where we're gonna go it's funny but i you know, with like he got away with just lying. You know, Heather came on the show and admitted to us that yeah, that he just said stuff. He said whatever <laughs> he felt like he needed to to get through the door, and then people just let him keep doing it. And now that people know more about it, I don't know if he can get away with it again. You know, or but you know, since the since they've continued to have like really big shows really big shows with big matchups during quarantine, maybe the UFC is willing to throw a little bit more money behind it, you know, and actually get him a grain silo or a, <laughs> you know, build him a, build Chael a grain silo. Hashtag build, hashtag build Chael a grain silo. Let's get, let's get, uh, let's get that Chael guy a, a grain silo. How's that? Hashtag, hashtag fight silo. That's <laughs> a check for the, for the grain silo and the memos is a grain silo. Chael Sonnen. Yeah. <laughs> That, yeah, I don't know. I, I would like to believe that we'll be able to have a fight to win in Orlando coming up here pretty soon. That's where they moved it to. I, I think they were supposed to stay in Philly for a while. I think it was last minute he moved it to Orlando because I just got the message for shit next weekend is the – or next two weeks from now would be the yeah. first uh, – December 4th and then December 12th. Yeah. I, it's – you know, I, I – Having seen how strict I was at, I was at Fight to Win 157. Uh, doing uh, by the way, check out all the interviews I did on our Instagram page at Jiu Jitsu Times. But seeing how serious Seth was and the event staff was about you had to stick near a table, and if, if you were pressed like, like I was, you had to constantly be like taking photos away from tables. And a guy would come up to me if one of my buddies would come up to me and like talk for a little bit, they'd come up and break it up. Like they're, yeah. they were not screwing around. And if all of those restrictions still led to, you know, Hey, we got to move this somewhere else. I don't know what you can do. You know, I, I, I really don't. Everyone, the athletes backstage warming up had to wear masks. How many, how many, how many, uh, spectators, were allowed was there quite a bit of spectators or was it limited i think it, it felt like again my my focus was mainly on the the fights but it felt like it could have been under 100 you know tables had like four or five to them and there, there weren't that many tables they were very spread out it felt like the type of show and the, the infrastructure around it was supposed to accommodate like two three hundred there was not that 
You know, it's it definitely way under that. Although if I, if I <laughs> eagle eyed, people might go back and tell me, Oh, there was really this many, but you know, the, the odds, like if you include athletes, I'm sure maybe it got closer to that number, but I don't know from what I've seen, like how packed these events usually are with fight to wins. It was definitely depleted. You yeah. Know, Seth, like, Seth is pretty vocal about his safety standards and he's pretty vocal about mask wearage and mask usage. He's uh he's come out a few times to talk out about people that have said they don't want to wear a mask. He's a very, very big proponent of understanding the dangers involved with COVID-19 and he wants to make sure that his events are safe and he does everything he can to do that. So you got to applaud him for that. And you also, you know, you have to applaud his effort to continue to try to keep doing these things. Like he's, he's just, just been plugging away. You know what? That's that's been his mo from day one. He's just a worker. He's a he's a he's a hard 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 working dude. You know, we, we they shut down Philly. We're moving it to Orlando. Take take the show on the road. We'll find a new spot. They'll take us in Florida, and when they kick us out of Florida, we'll go we'll go somewhere else and find out what happens. Both in Alabama. Go to Alabama. There's always another place, and I I do want to take a moment to applaud him because he was not nothing about the event was half assed in terms yeah. of keeping people safe in the way that we have been told that people keep can be safe, you know, he's, and it's, it's a tough needle to thread because our sport operates on very thin margins at every level, you know, even like the top of the top, like even when Mo came on ADCC loses money, like he's lost money on this. That's the, one of the biggest tournaments we have. So when a guy, if a guy like Seth, who's operating with very, very thin parameters and he's still trying to do his best to make sure everyone's safe, it is it's worrisome, but I will say the way that jujitsu weathered the first wave, we didn't do it like without getting bloody a little bit. We lost some really good gyms along the way for from some very big people. I, I'm confident that we can do it again. It's just it's 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 getting to be into the cold months where people are yeah. are, are not gonna be as charitable with their like their gym memberships and keeping up things. And I think that's, people are yeah, that's attract that's the biggest problem and the biggest issue is the weather um, because now you're dealing with multiple uh, stressors and multiple you know symptoms and multiple problems because you have issues where people are going to start catching the flu. People are going to start catching other sicknesses and other illnesses. They're going to start spending more time indoors and bigger crowds. And all those things mean that the spread of COVID-19 is going to be accentuated and, and it's going to be worse than what it is normally. This could be a tough winter. I hope that we can figure out a way to get through this without uh, – I hope to, I, I'm fairly confident that the world of professional jiu-jitsu will continue to strive, and we've got vaccines on the horizon. We made it through the nuclear summer. Why can't we make it through the nuclear winter too? They'll figure out a ways to keep putting on shows and to keep guys coming and to keep people interested, and maybe some gyms shut down, but maybe some gyms stay open. I think we'll be, be fine. I'm just I think about how much like Dana White's worth and I'm just like I know like like with a with a little small bit of your monthly paycheck you could probably keep the lights of all professional jujitsu running for a while. <laughs> so well, I'm, not, I mean, I'm not saying you got it, but like hey, it'd be pretty cool if you just kind of threw us a bone here. Well, <laughs> you know, to be perfectly honest too, you know, Dana White can say what he wants to, but without Jiu-jitsu schools and MMA schools feeding him athletes. He really doesn't have anything else going. So he's going to hit it. It does. Yeah. You know, we don't have a collegiate program. 
them, you know. So these gyms that find that local talent, and it's usually jujitsu that's the the gateway, you know. It may be jujitsu or Muay Thai, like one of those is probably it, or kickboxing. So you know, there's a very vested interest in MMA helping jujitsu survive and thrive in the way it exists because. Yeah, you would see MMA schools that just do jujitsu for the sake of MMA, but it wouldn't be the same. You know, you wouldn't get that star power of like precision grapplers like Damian Maya and like Nate Diaz coming up. I don't think you would anyway. You know, yeah. I, I could be talking. Like, do you think that we need those specialists? Well, I mean, I guess when you talk about the art of jujitsu and the art of MMA in particular, um, you know, I don't think there's going to be too many more instances where you're going to see a true Damian Maya be able to conquer uh, the MMA scene the way Damian Maya has. I, I don't think that it's just different. I, you know, when I think about Damian Maya in particular, his ability to use jujitsu in the manner that he is, you have to remember that Damian Maya came up in a time when when jujitsu was striking oriented, you know, there was a lot more MMA inclusiveness into uh, jujitsu practices all the time because he has a little more old school style. So like a lot of the more modern, pure jujitsu, professional jujitsu guys, they're not necessarily incorporating strikes. So they're not accustomed to the idea of someone throwing punches at them in the way that Damian Maya would have been accustomed to someone throwing punches at them. So therefore they're, jiu-jitsu is not going to be as effective and overall uh you know dominant the way damian myers was because damian myers you know he's just he's used to it he came up with that he he, he came he came up with strikes and, and all those aspects of his uh of his of his art in mma so now like you know if you're not a complete grappler anymore i don't are a complete mma fighter a complete mixed martial artist i don't know that you're ever going to really be able to come in and say you're a specialist in this or a specialist in that. I mean, maybe Gordon Ryan, something like that. But even Gordon Ryan, like, you know, you look at guys like, uh, you know, Hodger Gracie. I don't know. You know, Hodger Gracie didn't really do that great in his MMA time. I, th I think that Damian Maia was just an anomaly. I don't know that we're going to see somebody like that again. Uh, I, th I love that you brought him up because it dovetails very uh, quickly into one of the topics we were hoping to cover today. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, uh, hang on, let me scroll up really quick because the photo is not loading. But uh, uh, our, you know, one of the one of the Jersey boys, Danaher, Death Squad, uh, like standout and possibly one of the greatest grapplers alive today, Gordon Ryan is fleeing the country uh not <laughs> fleeing the country puerto rico is a is a <laughs> is a part of america sorry about that but he is leaving uh jersey and new york behind he's he's moving to puerto rico temporarily or possibly permanently because he's he's planning on setting up a gym at some point in the near future and he cited covid restrictions hampering his ability to train and just being in love with the environment when last time he visited there for like a seminar, if I if I'm uh, not mistaken, he went down uh, there for a uh, training camp with uh, with Mo. I remember when we had Mo on, they were talking about right. he was talking about going down to Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. So you know, this is uh, this is really big news because he's he is one of the greatest American grapplers in history. I think that's a fair statement to say, as well as one of the greatest overall jujitsu practitioners we've ever seen 
and you know we, we've started to be see the blue basement and you know uh, the team he's built in new york with uh gary tonin and nicky rod and his little brother uh what what do you think about how legit do you think this move is you know in terms of being permanent um we'll see um I know he has the resources between him and Mo to get guys to come down there and train with him. Um, I saw that Craig Jones was moving down there with him too. So we'll have Craig Jones to train with all the time, but we're talking about Puerto Rico. We're not talking about New York city. We're not talking about, uh, you know, LA even, or, or, or Texas or Florida. We're talking about, you know, Puerto Rico. How is he going to be able to get enough quality athletes for him to get quality training in on a consistent basis the same way he was when he was living in new york city and i don't know the facts i don't know what his how hard his training was or how little his training was going down when he was living in new york but hell he lived in a house with nick rodriguez and uh callenstein was it callenstein or uh who's the callenstein, other one? Yeah. No, it was it john callenstein it was uh callenstein. ethan krellinson ethan krellinson yeah right i don't know where, where his uh i don't know if if nicky ryan his little brother is going to be making the trip right but uh you know, I, I I had a thought, and it's very limited, and it showcases how much of a blue belt I am. And I'm hoping that a you know a black belt master such as yourself can possibly put <laughs> show me if I'm wrong or put me in my place here. But we we know that Gordon was was forged in the in the fires of John Donaher and and Gary Tonin and you know Tom DeBlas. He's had that high level instruction, but he's also proven himself to a a. a a staggering degree. Do you think he needs to continue that same level of instruction from like get receive those same levels of instruction from those wise sources? Or is he at the point where if he has Craig Jones just with him all the time and maybe a few others and people that he can call on for specific like amounts of time for roles, does he need to continue being in that same environment, or could he basically continue doing what he's doing? Well, you know, I, I guess time will tell, Kev, and that's what we'll find out with this move. You know, Gordon wants to 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 you know he has his gripes about New York City. He doesn't like the homeless people who you know whatever he's famously talked about not liking the fact that there's homeless people bothering him and all the other things like that. He doesn't like the lockdowns. He doesn't like lots about new york city and that's fine there's lots of people that don't like new york city believe me if you lived in new york city long enough too you probably hate it too it's a pain in the butt it's you know it's it's traffic there's homeless there's nasty things all over it's it's a big big city new york isn't it's cracked as nice as it's cracked up to be you know happen to live there it's cool to visit but you have to live it's there. Not it's no, it's not yeah, ex- uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly i mean you live in jersey you know what the city's like so yeah. the i the idea is is that, everywhere uh, except everywhere except brooklyn which right. is lovely <laughs> and has great bagels and all the best of everything sorry my fiance no, you're, is good. Right you're good you're good you're good yeah everything about brooklyn. everything is, she, is your fiance from brooklyn he is, and oh, so Brooklyn. I'm. I am. I am hoping pass at all the other boroughs, Brooklyn, in the except house. for that one. Yeah. So Staten Island is the worst. <laughs> so it's kind of universally true, even if you're not from Brooklyn. Um, yeah. But the idea is, is that he, you know, he finally got what he wanted. He's living in paradise, and you know, in Puerto Rico is a paradise. It's going to be amazing. But will he be okay without the guidance of Tom DeBlas constantly over his shoulder? Will he be okay without the guidance of, you know, particularly John Danaher 
constantly over his shoulder. And yes, it's a quick flight away. And I'm sure that Gordon has the resources and Mo has the resources to get people back and forth as much as they need to come down and help him train. But it's different when they're not there 100% standing over your shoulder the entire time. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Gordon Ryan out on his own, doing his own thing. I don't think it's going to change too much. I think the biggest thing and the biggest rude awakening for him is going to be the idea that he's not going to be able to have, you know, all of these people come train with him as much as he'd like to whenever he wants to, because believe it or not, you know, Gordon Ryan's Gordon Ryan. He's making a a great living being a grappler, but you're not going to be able to get five or 10 other quality grappler training partners for him to be able to move down to Puerto Rico for two months at a time for a training camp whenever he wants them to, whether he believes it or not, no matter what you do to compensate, people have jobs, people have lives they have to live, people have things they have to do. So yeah, we'll see how it happens. I don't want to speculate on how things go in the blue basement. I've never, I've, you know, gotten the chance to meet some of the athletes that have been there, you know, and I've, I've, I've gotten a chance to like speak to Tom and others like uh, Gary Tonin briefly. And I've, I've met Gordon for like half a second and we talked about Jeeps and he seemed like an okay guy, but I do want to <laughs> say, I do want to say that this opens up a lot of interesting possibilities that I think about one, you have one of the greatest grapplers alive today, you know, possibly bringing an entirely new level of jujitsu to a, a new area of the world. You know, I don't know much about the, the scene in Puerto Rico, you know, the grappling scene. Uh, like I don't, I couldn't name a whole lot of the big names down there. I'm sure you're going, this young buck doesn't know anything, but like, I'm, I'm saying that I mean, I, I don't know much of him either. Kev, to tell you the truth. Exactly. I'm sure and there. obviously, you know, obviously if you're, if you are a high level or, or just a grappler in Puerto Rico listening to this and you, you want to help educate us, please leave us messages in the comments. We do read them, you know, and we, we do want it. We're not trying to just go off half cocked. There is a lot of news in the jiu-jitsu world. We do not have the time to like f- siphon through all of it, so we miss some things, and we're definitely excited to know more. Invite us down. We'd love to go to Puerto Rico. But I think that a guy like that moving to a new area and possibly elevating, like raising the entire jiu-jitsu game of an area with high-level instruction, that could be very interesting for the international jiu-jitsu scene. You know, and... and and we get to see maybe new crops of talent from uh, Puerto Rico because of his instruction, because of the attention that he's paying to them and like the insights that he might be able to bring. That's very possible, and you're absolutely right about that. But that is not going to happen overnight. He's not going to no, wake up. This is the long game. This is the long game. Yeah, this is the long game. And, you know, maybe Gordon is looking into bigger things. I saw a few quotes from his. He's looking to start an affiliation program. He's looking to yes. start schools. And I'm sure he will be an amazing instructor. I have taught, I have been in the room with Gordon Ryan teaching. He taught a class that I was at when I went up to, uh, to Henzo's one time after the ADCC trials a couple years back. And he's an amazing instructor. You know, he's a very smart kid. He has a ridiculous understanding of the art of jujitsu at levels that, you know, very few people on the planet have, and he's a very good communicator. So he'll be a great instructor and he'll have great school in Puerto Rico, but will he be able to put together enough talent in the short enough period of time to be able to continue to consistently, you know, uh, train at the level he's used to training at. 
And, you know, time will tell. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully he made the right decision. Yeah, one other thing is that I don't know how much how the instructorship works in the blue basement, particularly. I do know that a lot of attention is paid to Gordon and the main DDS guys. And I'm never going to insinuate that, you know, other people get less attention, you know, because I don't know that. But I do think it's also possible that without Gordon there, you know, being a big focus for John, we might see other people start to rise up from New York, you know, and start to maybe fill that void that he's leaving, you know, and I think that would also be interesting to see. Hey everybody, Kevin here with a brief news update. Uh, Since filming this episode of the podcast, it was actually announced that uh, John Donaher, coach and mentor to Gordon, along with a few other key members of the Danaher death squad would in fact be making the move to Puerto Rico to join Gordon. So a little bit of the insights that we brought up towards the end here uh, don't really apply. Just wanted to make you guys aware of that. Uh, For a full breakdown of the events as they are occurring, please go visit uh, the Jiu-Jitsu Times uh, homepage for all the latest uh, on this breaking story uh, and updates to follow. All right, back to the episode. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know that we're going to find another Gordon Ryan overnight. Gordon Ryan's a special person. Um, I think you know it's more than just the Danaher connection. I think Danaher was a piece of it, but I also think they helped that, make each other. Like it's, it's like each other, it's right. like MJ and um like the the ninety six ninety seven Bulls. You know, like yeah. they they all made each other. Yeah, you know? I would think more like Phil Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson. It's mainly I, I, yeah, forgot that, I forgot that I forgot it was right, Phil. Right, ja- I forgot right. his name, and I didn't want but to. I, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, you know, John Danaher isn't John Danaher. You know, he's not going to be able to create the perfect, you know, the perfect specimen out of shoddy uh, materials. You know what I mean? Like, if you have to have the perfect grappler to be able to the perfect person to be able to absorb all this information dan understands how to look for that and he saw that in gordon ryan and gordon ryan was able to absorb the the, the madness that is uh john dan abilities so you know yeah i think and i'm uh, it's all exciting i think this is very exciting and i can't wait to see uh how where it progresses now uh this is never a fun part this is never a fun part of the of following the sport because, you know, following combat sports, y- you get to see some incredibly talented athletes perform near miracles in the cage. And it's a, it's a joy. You get to see grit, determination, and, and practiced violence come to a head. And it's, it's a beautiful display for those of us that love the sport. But other side of that is eventually there's a day that, you know, even the best of the best got to hang it up. And we, you know, even though there hasn't been an announcement yet from uh, from his camp, we we very likely have seen the end of one of the most illustrious careers in MMA, or at least the beginning of the end. Certainly, the end of his career in the UFC, and that is, of course, Anderson Silva was officially released from his UFC contract. Former champion, one of the most dominant athletes in the history of the game. You know, definitely a not a spotless career since it's dotted with controversies and ups and downs. But you you cannot deny that for a while this guy was the face of the sport. You know, he was the the pinnacle. He was the guy everyone was trying to topple. I, how's this hitting you, man? Um. So, first of all, uh, 
for the period that 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 Anderson Silva was was ruling the UFC, he was probably the most dominant fighter in the history of the world. Like I watched some of his, I I was always skeptical of that. You talk about Fedor, you know, there's a couple guys that that kind of flutter around there. You could talk about Fedor and his run. You could talk about John Jones and his run. You could talk about uh, Khabib and his little run. Um, the but the idea is is that when you when I went back and watched some of the tapes of Anderson Silva during his time his reign um he was amazing like i don't think i've seen someone as dominant as as anderson silver was literally he would just make guys that were the best of the best of division just look silly and i don't think that even gsp in his prime now you can talk about gsp as the goat because i still think gsp is probably the goat sorry john yeah. jones you got popped for uh for for peds you're just you're just out i'm of, not out sorry of john anymore. jones yeah. <laughs> um i think john jones could have been but uh, you know all his controversy screwed oh him he up. definitely could have been yeah yeah when you talk about gsp gsp was dominant in a different way he was a grinder you know he would kind of like suck the life out of you he was an explosive guy wrestler you know very intelligent intuitive fighter but it wasn't really as dominant of a performance you weren't really as wild watching a gsp fight as we were when you watched Anderson Silva. When you watched Anderson Silva and Anderson Silva was on, it was a spectacle. It was he would make amazing fighters look average, and average fighters look like they didn't even deserve to be in the cage with him. And you know, when you talk about the greatness of Anderson Silva, it's sad to see him go simply because of that. It's sad for me. The last fight, the last few fights, watching him fight, you know, he had the decent Uriah fight with Izzy. Hall. Raya yeah. Hall, yeah, he really uh, did he look horrible. Izzy. He fought Izzy. I think Izzy took it easy on him. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it well, still that Izzy fight, I think, was the perfect. He should have probably gone out on that one. And I, I'm a huge Uriah Fall, Hall fan. I'm happy we got to see Uriah looking good. But that Izzy fight, we got to see sparks of the Matrix. You know, that three, like that. 3d chess fighter and right. some of the head movement you know and it like it i'm not gonna say it was a work i'm not doing that you know but it was very if it was it almost felt scripted of, of a very good organic passing of the torch he tried you know? to do a little bit of the the he tried to do a little bit with the uriah hall but you know i think what happens you know from someone that can kind of speak from that from experience again i don't because i'm not trying to put myself in the same realm as Anderson Silva in any way, shape, or form, not even in a joking manner. But for someone that competed quite a bit throughout my life and now is getting to 43 years old, you know, Anderson Silva's 45 years old, you just get to a point where you just you reach in the well and you try to come up with that fire to go out there and be explosive and to take it and to and to to put it all on the line. And you just don't have it anymore. And Watching Anderson Silva in that last fight against Uriah Hall, like I think that a seasoned Anderson Silva ten years ago beats Uriah Hall like it wasn't even, you know, he doesn't even have a chance, doesn't stand a chance at all. But watching Anderson go out there and try hard to come find the little sparks of energy to to be explosive and to to make that razzle dazzle happen, it just he just didn't have it anymore. And I think that Dana White recognized that. And the last thing you want to see is someone as great as Anderson Silva, you know, not know when to call it quits. And Dana White in the past has already shown he won't allow that to happen.
you know, he's he's very quick on cutting guys and saying it's um, done, move on, game over. You don't have it no more. Okay, he's quick on cutting guys unless their name is BJ Penn. Let's right. uh, no, but, let's 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 yeah, all send the room. <laughs> he even he even I think he even now BJ Penn is done. I don't think BJ. Penn oh no, he's said that he's done. And to his credit, I, I'm pretty sure White admitted that they they kind of messed up. I mean, with BJ, you know, he's the he's the prodigy, and he he was so ridiculously spectacular in weird ways that you kind of think he deserves those, those fights. Well, they all do, but yeah, that's they, the, they, that, get that's a, they the, deserve a shot, but when they don't get it, they have to realize someone has to say, Hey, you know, you don't have it no more. Chuck Liddell was another one. Hey, I don't think Dana White would like Chuck Liddell. If, if Chuck Liddell paid him a million dollars, I don't think Dana White would let Chuck Liddell fight anymore. I, um, I also want a really quick shout out, uh, Mr. Scott Croker, uh, Scott Coker, uh, president of Bellator. Who, um, when asked, because there's there is easy money in this sport. We're not going to pretend there's not. And Bellator signing Anderson, uh, assuming Anderson was looking, that's that's easy money at least for right. one fight. Like that's easy money, regardless of the potential brain damage you're giving Anderson. Like, and although to be fair, I'm pretty sure Anderson even now could toast up. Quite a, a large number of Bellator's, uh, yeah, Bellator's it's, like light heavyweights. It's, but but do you really want to see that? I, I no. that's the thing. Like who do you, if 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 a fighter like Anderson Silva is not fighting at the absolute pinnacle of of the MMA world, do you really care to watch him linger around and put on a subpar performance? And I get the Scott Coker approach to 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 making these things happen, going after these guys that, that are just names to sell tickets. But it's kind of sad to watch. I don't want to see Anders. I don't want. Well, to that's see, the thing. Know. That's the thing. When Scott was asked, he emphatically said to the, the 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 reporter, I think it was MMA fighting, got the got the the quote. Um, we we have all the respect in the world for Anderson Silva. He's a legend, but like we're happy with the. Uh, our roster as it is. And I'm, and I think that was an incredibly respectful, uh, conscientious and co- conscientious, con- Conchi. I compassionate way of sort spit, of like spit it out, getting spit it out Oxford. Uh, okay. Go fuck yourself. How about that? <laughs> but it, there is no really like for a lot of guys, there's no respectful way to say what needs to be said in cases like this. And I think that that was a very good way to do it because no one wants to say, no one wants it to be true. You know, for a lot of people, Anderson is the, was the gateway by which they became enthralled with the sport. I mean, for as, as right. dominant as GSP is, he was known for very, like, efficient fighting. You know, ground and pound. Uh, he had that spinning sidekick, but it was very, very nuts and bolts when you get down to it. Does any fighter of Anderson's caliber have a move as iconic as his front kick? No. You're hard. It's hard pressed to find something, you know. <laughs> and and you know you make a valid point in the idea that so many people automatically associate Anderson Silva as the preeminent figure of the UFC simply because he was really the first legitimate superhero that we ever had. You know, BJ Penn was kind of that guy, but not really. He lost a few times. When you talk about someone, I mean, at the time, Anderson Silva had the longest reign in the heavyweight division and was never in a close fight. There was never a fight that was even close. You know, there was nothing. Exactly. One with Chael Sonnen. Yeah. But that was already, that was already towards the end of his reign of terror. Yeah. Even in that, even in that fight, 
you know, he, 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 he gets his ass kicked for four and a half rounds and miraculously pulls out the triangle. So not only did it make him look human, but it make him look even more than superhuman because now even someone that's getting pummeled, he finds a way to win and pulls out it's this the, superhero the, like uh, it is the, finish at the end. It is the 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 triumph of the human spirit, you know, right. and and it's exactly. it's a proof that it was one of the best moments for jujitsu in in that era of MMA, just because it had been it became known so much for ground and pound and like the punches and, and the striking. That 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 was such a great example of jujitsu being able to come out and save a guy, you know, like right. Exactly, and, and, and like that, it's it can be the silver bullet if used effectively. It kind of gave a throwback to uh to the Hoist Gracie. Yes, yeah. uh, you know, jujitsu was still this superpower. Frank Sham, like when know. it was this like like quick draw gun fr- fire from the hip that you could just use, right. and exactly. no one really had an, an answer for it. Right, you know. Yeah, for my money, I I we could talk about all we want. I really think that if we talk about truly iconic personas of the UFC, uh, it's hard to find one more iconic than than Anderson Silva. You know, you could talk about the goats. You could talk, and the goat is such a mysterious, devious word and terminology because there's so many different, for my, so many different factors to 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 bring that upon. For but, for my money, you know, I respect Anderson, I do, but that that joke was bullshit. <laughs> he actually, I think he finished. I think he finished the armbar channel my entire but. life. <laughs> How awesome was the hype for that fight? That we, we, the, we, the real brilliance of that fight was listening to Chael Son and just demean an entire country. We could, you got you a black do belt from the Noguera brothers. That's like getting <laughs> a black belt from Walmart. <laughs> he was the original gangster and and the greatest of all time, and we should all uh, all be. Thankful. I think yeah, like it would not. It would be only appropriate if we at the this moment of recognizing and giving props to Anderson Silva at the end throw in, hey bad guy, you're you're the best too, man. We love <laughs> the, <you."> the original <laughs> gangster, the original the gangster. Ameri- American gangster. Chael, please come on the podcast. You don't return my calls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or Heather, Heather, come on too. We we love you. We we'd love to talk to you again. All right. Um, oh man, yeah. It's it's all it's just rough, you know. I think it's it's rough because you, it's a tough sport, and I think coming to grips with the fact that it's a physically demanding sport, it can be rough, you know. Yeah, I I feel for, I feel for Anderson, but it's time. I think he knows it's time too. I I don't think he, I don't think he has any qualms with Dana White for cutting him. I think he really wanted to make a wrong. Did did he say something about a mitt? Well, according to his, according to the, the, like, I think it was a joint statement. Uh, Hang on. It was, I just want to make sure I have this right. And I want to throw it up here so we can all say it. Uh, Free to pursue other uh, promotions, uh, MMA fighting. Okay, so according to the report from MMA Fighting, great job on the the report, guys. Uh, the fighters split from the UFC was a mutual decision. So I, I I assume that that means he was brought into a room, kind of told how things were going to go, given like they they arranged their statements so everything looks good. I don't want to read too much into it, but I'm assuming that it was he was a part of the decision. They didn't just show up and send right. him a note. Right. He didn't get he didn't get informed via mail or something. You know, yeah, he I, wanted he, the the the. 
I think he this was I think he re, I think he wanted this to be his final fight anyway from everything that I that I read on uh his pre-fight interviews and things he was talking about. I think he wanted he, I think he probably wanted to go out with a win against a quality guy, but I think he's also cool with the fact that it was that it was over and a loss. Let's just move on with our lives. He's 45 years old, man. He and you, you know what's cr- what's fun what like I got to give props to Anderson because in those such in that circumstance where it's his last fight, he could have easily Gone to Dana White and get been like, give me a can, give me a guy who's wet behind right. the ears. I want to put him out and go out a champion. And and I think for a lot of people who aren't as familiar with Uriah Hall, that might be what he was doing, you know. But people forget Uriah Hall, you know, uh, won the Ultimate Fighter in one of the greatest finishes in the history of the show with that spinning back kick to the head. Like it, it's still. It, it holds up in any context ever. Like you put that finish anywhere, it's 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 finish of the year. Like oh, he's it's kicking. He's unquestionably one of the most dangerous strikers in the UFC. He hits hard and fast and strong and throws punches from odd angles from that karate background he has. Yeah, he was a, he was striker. a Tiger Shulman guy, you yeah. know, and he's got that traditional. Those traditional karate kicks, man, they're nothing to fuck with. You yeah. know, I I've been. I got hit one time by my buddy with pads and he's like a, he was a Taekwondo black belt, Kyokushin, but like actual Taekwondo, like where they, the guy just came off from the boat and from Korea and they're looking to train real people. And I, I was limping for like a week and I'm like, that's not, that's not anything to mess with. The fact that he was okay with that matchup says a lot about Anderson. Like, cause that's not, you're, he look at his, look at him after that fight, he was beat up. Like that's a that is a hard fight for an older guy, yeah. a strong younger dude. Like, but you know, Uriah Hall's no spring chicken, but like he's he is a strong younger man compared compared to Anderson. That's just that is a rough last fight. Well, let's see. Fact- uh, well, it would be interesting to see where where Uriah goes from here. I didn't think he looked great to tell you the truth. I th- I think that he was actually getting beat. I think he probably lost a couple of the early rounds. Anderson didn't look didn't look great either, but I think that Uriah looked worse, and then Uriah just caught him. What did he catch him with? I think it was a – I don't remember. I, don't, I watched the fight, but I forget what it was. He caught him clean with something and just – it was just lights out. Poor Anderson. Do you think that, like, that for some people that oh, that intimidation from the fact that, oh, my God, this – like, even though he's old, oh, my God, this is Anderson Silva. 100%. You, yeah, 100%. <laughs> you're in there against a legend. You're gonna, and he might be old. You never know, but it's still Anderson Silva, and you still don't know where the punches are coming from. He's still a dangerous, deadly person. You watched film on Anderson Silva getting ready for this fight, and you watched the amazing things he did and the way he dismantled people up until that point, and you're frightened. You're very scared. You're very concerned. You yeah, know, the, and also the there's a part of you that, of his punches are, is amazing. There's a part of you that also is probably worried. Like, I don't want to get like it's in, intimidation of this is Anderson Silva at any moment. My teeth could all be knocked out of my head and I'm dead. And also, I don't want to lose to a, a guy that everyone knows is on his way out the door. You know? Right. So that's you, you gotta, that's 100 percent. It's a, it's it's almost, you know. You definitely want to put a win against like, – even when in the pre-fight interviews, Uriah was talking about that. He said that you know, everybody wants to win against Anderson Silva because everyone wants to say that they beat the greatest of all time. But you also you – know, if it's, it's kind of a lose-lose because if you, if you win, yeah, you beat Anderson Silva, but you beat Anderson Silva when he's an old man. And if you lose – you lost. <laughs> you lost to an old man that was Anderson Silva. Yeah, you know it's, <laughs> it's you know, but 
at the end of the day, I'm sure you're right. I got paid well for it. So did Anderson. It oh yeah. Everything. And I'm yeah, like, right. it's funny because I, I saw, I thought the same thing with uh, Bellator a while ago was a uh, Neiman Gracie had a fight coming up and they were doing press for it. And it was one of his earlier fights with Bellator, but he had become known as a guy who could finish you on the ground. And he is truly spectacular. Um, having seen him in the gi and, and in the cage, you know, he's finishing crazy stuff and, and he's dangerous everywhere. But they, the way they built him up, I don't like because they were like Neiman Gracie, you know, the, you're a Gracie. Everyone's want, everyone wants a win against the Gracies. Like they want that, that, that lion on the, on their wall. And I'm like, I don't know if that works anymore. And, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like unless your name is Holes or not, not Holes, Hodger, like the, it's it's yeah, it's marketing. Maybe, it's great maybe, for marketing. Maybe yeah. I I, I th- there's still the the allure of the Gracie family that 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 reigns. If you beat a Gracie, there's still that personal feeling of I beat a Gracie. Like I beat one of the I beat someone that comes from that legacy of great fighters. Um, you know, I'm still waiting to see one of the Gracies return to that i think cron was supposed to be the one and then whatever happened to cron you know it's kind of sad well, he lost that. against uh cub swanson and then yeah then he was gone you never saw him again and that was the crazy i was at that fight that was the weirdest fight i've ever seen in my life remember he tried to pull guard he tried yeah. to stand with cub swanson and, and then he like, said oh, he wait, thought then he cub swanson <laughs> at the end of the fight he tried to convince everybody that he won and i was like uh cron you didn't but you literally got you literally got punched in the face he tried to come in and like clinch and throw punches in awkward ways and like freaking Cub Swanson was like, oh well, I'm just gonna keep moving and punching you in the face also, as hard as I can. Probably Cub is thinking like, you know, I'm also a black belt, right? Like I obviously not the same, but like I right. don't know nothing. Like right, you're, not exactly. pull gu- you're not gonna pull guard against right against, against me. Like right. the only time I've seen a guy pull guard and it go well is, or like the the most recent time. Was Dylan Dennis against a guy I couldn't name yet? If you gave me a million dollars, <laughs> right? They probably doesn't I'm, even know jujitsu. Apologies, dude. I'm I'm sorry, but like, also, come on. <laughs> <laughs> ah, man, it's it's a fun sport. It's it's a rough sport, but it's a fun sport. Everyone All right, I think we're we're you know we're not gonna go too too super long in today, so we're 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 trying to get ourselves ready for the the calorie bonanza that we got looking forward to next week and Thanksgiving. Everybody celebrate responsibly, but some some lighthearted jujitsu news coming in the news today. Um, PR for our sport has not been phenomenal in the wake of Nick Cage releasing a jujitsu movie where a bunch of guys with swords fight alien an alien. <laughs> so uh, in light of that, we thought it was cool to shout out a project from uh, you know a very famous actor Sean Patrick Flannery. Uh, well known for Boondock Saints, one of the best like balls to the wall action movies of all time. If you haven't seen it, stop watching this podcast and go see it. You're not allowed to watch this podcast until you go oh, see Boondock no. Saints. If you haven't seen You're, Boondock Saints, just just shut the computer like, off and go. Executive privilege. I'm, I'm wielding right executive now. privilege and banning you. And you can come back when you can quote the movie to me. But <laughs> Sean Patrick Flannery, uh, actor. Also, Black Belt has been working behind the scenes to get a very traditional, authentic uh, long, MMA long style. time Black Belt as well. He's been a Black Belt for a while. He like he was pulling away at it before there was any yeah. kind of marketability. Before it was it. cool, yeah, he was back there in LA. He trained with uh, 
he played. I think he trained under someone that I actually competed with, uh, no Altunes, really? Ricardo Altunes. I actually, yeah, I, I I competed against him in the fight to win down in Miami a couple years. Did you beat him? Did you like? Did you mess him up? No, I did. I heel, I heel hooked him, but it's not important. Ah, uh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I like I said, people talk about me as this leg lock guy, but I'm a leg lock guy that, that leg locks people that don't know leg locks. So, but anyway, right. Sean Patrick Flannery. Yeah, Sean Patrick Flannery, uh, upcoming MMA movie, Born a Champion, and so we. Uh, if you we will link the trailer down below uh from the little bit that we've seen very faithful uh fight choreography especially there's like a, a very brief jujitsu only exchange where uh sean showcasing a lot of his skills i think we see some like it's no gi but he's wearing a gi for a lot of the movies so we're, we might be able to see some very gi specific chokes i'm hoping for an ezekiel you know shout out dino bucolet uh ezekiel from close guard um but, you know, I think with John Wick and movies like that that have come out recently, we're starting to see people take action in movies a lot more seriously. You know, and I, I, I wanted to ask uh, you, Kev, do you think that this is important for the growth of the sport? And I only ask because it felt like in the 90s, the reason karate and bullshit martial arts got the pass that it did was because of movies like, the three ninjas and uh, even though I love it, blood sport and like anything Steven Seagal has ever done, you know, do you think that it, with more movies that showcase real grappling, you know, we, uh, we might see more people give MMA a try. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to force the hand of people to try MMA. I, I think the only people that are going to recognize the legitimacy of the grappler or the grappling in the movie are the people that are really grapplers. And I think that that authenticity is important whenever you make a movie. And, you know, just the same way, like I was just watching The Crown on on Netflix the other day. And I was thinking, I, I thought about this the other day when I was watching the movie and I saw they recreated the elements of the palace. I thought to myself, I imagine, I hope that they take into consideration the amount of detail necessary that someone that's actually been into the palace would be like, oh, wow, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to look. That's actually the authenticity of what the palace looks like. Because when I watch movies about fighting, one of the things that turns me off the most is when I watch people in movies about fighting and I think to myself, like, that person has never fought a day in their life. And it just ruins the movie for me. It makes it very horrible for me to, to pay attention to. And when I think about what it takes to make a movie and when I think about the, the issues revolving around making a movie, I think to myself that, you know, if you're making a movie, you should care enough about the end product to make it as authentic as you possibly can. And by doing that, you should make sure that what you're promoting, which is fighting is real. And there's a realness to it. And the techniques are shown in a very real manner. And when you get Sean Pack finery in there, in the scenes, you get that reality of, because he's a very seasoned black belt that brings to the table, that level of technical uh, prowess, you know? So now, Knuckleheads like me and you that know jujitsu, that know fighting, can look at it and be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's authentic. That's real. This movie doesn't suck. I have a, a very fun story that showcase. like, we're all nerds. We love this stuff like nerds love comic books. And it's it's a problem. because, And I, I'm also a comic book nerd, so I could talk like that. But there was this movie that came out a while ago um, by uh, a purple belt uh, called named Riley Stearns 
called uh, The Art of Self-Defense. It was uh, Jesse Eisenberg. It was a big yellow movie poster. It was making the rounds everywhere. I got to interview him for the Jiu-Jitsu Times and then actually roll with him for a little bit when he came to visit uh, my school in Jersey. Um, and me and a few of my buddies went to a premiere of the show. It was being shopped around to film festivals. And we, I had asked him, and he said, there's going to be something that uh, you and your buddies, if you go to this, you'll flip your shit. And I'm like, okay. Because the movie was like a, a karate movie. It wasn't really supposed to be about jujitsu. And uh, we went to the movie, and one of the characters in the movie is demonstrating a rear naked choke. And we're like, oh, like, that's okay. Like, that's cool, but we're not going to flip out. Like, he way oversold that. And then later in the movie, these two characters are having a fight. And, and they're, they're wearing geese, and it's mainly striking. And then all of a sudden, this one character, Baron Bolo's the other character. And <laughs> it's a quiet venue full of, like, theater snobs. And randomly, three assholes just got up yeah! and started freaking the fuck out. <laughs> we were just like, yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> Did you see it? it went the day, and then he went to there. And then afterwards... He, we, we went up to him because he was doing a meet and greet and he's like, oh, I, I like because we were dressed like jujitsu people like fucking flip. We were the only ones wearing flip flops in the whole place. <laughs> and he's like, I'm guessing you were the guys that yelled. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> well, you know, it's different when you're watching an action movie. You know, when you're watching John Wick and you see somebody do a Baron Bolo or you see somebody do a triangle, it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, it doesn't have to be as perfect because it's obviously choreographed into yeah. a larger segment of things. When you're watching an actual movie about fighting, about MMA, and I see someone do an arm bar and I think to myself, that person does not know how to do an arm bar. It's upsetting to me, you know? And you know, there's a hard line you have to walk because you have to have actors to sell the pictures. And it takes a long time. Like Sean Patrick Flannery is, you know, a very, you know, he's he's been a black belt longer than I've been a black belt for sure, probably longer than I've been training. I know he's been a black belt for a long, long time. But the idea is is that he knows how to do a bar. He knows how to do an arm bar. He knows how to do the techniques of Jesus because he put the time in to achieve that rank. And he's also an actor that can sell a film. So you kind of walk that line. But I'm excited to see this go down simply because I want to see the actual technical prowess of someone that knows the art of jiu-jitsu to oh, be able to finish it. From the like the little bits of the the ground fighting we got to see in the trailer, it, it is so faithful. You know, I was able to put like I was able to look at it, understand what was happening. It didn't seem like it didn't seem like it seemed like if I was a someone not looking with a, a discerning eye, I would think, wow, this is a lot of intense action going on. Like cool, intense action. I don't understand it, but I like it. But when you have the time put in and you're understanding what's happening a whole nother level of enjoyment opens up. And I think my, one of my favorite parts was uh, he's in the gym and this, his buddy brings this guy over. Hey, do you mind rolling with him? And he torches the guy. And then his buddy goes, yo, that man just won. That, that guy just won Brazilian nationals. Yeah, right. and I'm like, that's such a, yeah, that's cool such that a, they use like, the actual oh, terminology. We know what that, yeah. like, like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, it's, it's cool I'll, that they bring that stuff up, right? I'll it have to go cool. to my buddies. Like, no, that's an actual thing. Like, that's he didn't just make up some bullshit well, title to give this guy. This to you. Like, you can pause it and talk about. Let, let me just break down what just happened here for you. Yeah, I'm just. I'm gonna. Be, I can't watch this movie with non jujitsu people because I'll just be unbearable. Uh, I would. I would be a monster. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think the only question I have uh, left is: uh, 
Kev, do you think you could take Sean in a uh, submission only match? We, you know, I, I'm sure Sean is a very good grappler. Well, I would love to roll with Sean whenever, whenever we have a possibility to roll with him. Oh, okay. So, like, okay. So, normally you're, okay. So, normally you're a lot more like, no, 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 I suck, you know, whatever. But, you know, this time I'm getting a little no, sense of, no, you know, no, maybe no, there's no, something. No, no. Your chest we, as 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 black belts, we have respect and for for one another. Even if you were to compete with one another, I don't think I would talk trash to someone as that is deserving of 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 respect as Sean Plastic Flannery. I think um, anyone that has been tr- trumpeting the culture for this long, you know, but behind closed doors in a lot of ways and like like quietly grinding away. That deserves all the respect in the world, you know, yeah. and I'm really happy. You know, we've seen him commentate too. So he's all about, uh, you know, the the culture. It's not just like a, a window dressing for him. You know, it's not like he's not some actor that I'm not calling anyone out and I don't know anyone personally, but he's not an actor who does a role and takes one picture in the gi with a no, white belt. No, no, no. He's like, about that life. You don't get your black belt. He's about that yeah, life. Yeah, you, you, you can watch him. him. You can watch him train. He knows what he's doing. You don't get your black belt just taking private lessons and, and, and hanging out at the gym with, uh, you know, with uh, with with freaking um, what's his name? <laughs> the Jones. guy with one hand. Um, oh, he. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think. Push. <laughs> We're calling you out. Right. Whatever. Yeah, but uh, be on the lookout. We're, we'll, we're, we might be able to produce some more content around the movie uh, in the future. You know, maybe after the holidays. Uh, I think it's going to be mid-January release, and it'll be on streaming. Just because uh, COVID's kind of put all the theaters into. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know what's going on, but a lot of cool stuff happening in the world of jujitsu. You know, and I think. Uh, I think barring a second wave totally crippling the sport for 20 years into the future, this could be really cool, you know? So I'm, I'm excited I'm for it. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to come down to, you know what? I'll come down to Florida and we'll, we'll get drunk. We'll, and watch we'll have a premiere game. together. Hell, hell, hell yeah. Watch along. <laughs> Just the times to watch along. We show up, we, we track down Raph. We, we go to Cali, track down Raph and show up at his house and be like, Hey man, let's, we got to watch we'll this. We're watching this thing. <laughs> Yeah, bully him, and then he kicks my ass. Yeah, all right, all right. That's a that's about an hour, man. You got any closing remarks? No, nah, man. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go sit down and play some video games. I'm gonna start playing The Witcher. Is my new one now. Ooh. I think I am excited about that. And okay, so everybody, wave goodbye to Kevin Gallagher because he's oh, just yeah. uh, giving up the next six months of his life. Because that game <laughs> never, that game never ends. I had to stop. That's what right. I heard. Yeah, I saw. Yeah. I was playing. Um, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to do that or go back to Red Dead Redemption. I oh, have that's Red good, Dead. man. Yeah, I have. Red, I, I I'm about halfway through Red Dead Redemption, but I've had The Witcher ready to go for a while, and I've been I've been digging. I've been wanting to get into it. I've heard it's great. Can I just tell you that like what's what's so screwed up is that the game is so detailed and deep, and there's so many things to do that my buddy Jake played the game and he played it for like the sword fighting and all the cool magic stuff. And then he found out there's this card game you can, you can play in the game called Gwent. <laughs> and he then was like, Hey Kev, I don't play the Witcher anymore. I just I go just into the Witcher and go to a bar, and all I do is play this card. <laughs> so that's when you got it bad. <laughs> that's when you. That's when you need some help. No, but it was so popular. So many people were doing that. They were like, "Wait, are you fucking kidding me?" And then they released the game just as its own game, and it won all <laughs> sorts of awards. Like that's it's fucking. Awesome. This is crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, we're not trying to keep you, man. You got to go rest up. We yeah, need you to last year, at least through the holidays. You know. Right. I, uh, I, I want to make it the Christmas model. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll, that just about does it for us here on this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. Uh, for any of the news stories we shared, feel free to go follow the link below to our website where you can catch up-to-date news on all the things happening in the world of combat sports and pajama wrestling and adjacent uh, fields. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, once again, shout out, no judges needed. For anyone who has not caught the beginning of this episode or skipped over the ad, hit up no judges needed for all of your BJJ sports needs. Uh, use the promo code JJT after, at checkout for 20% off of your purchase. Let them know we sent you. You'll be helping us out a ton. Uh, but that's the end of the episode. I've been your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. Uh, please, uh, if we don't film another episode with how crazy the holidays will be next week, stay safe, celebrate responsibly, and get tested. You know, we we know a lot of people will be returning to the mats after visiting family, and we can't have everybody spreading diseases to all the people on the mats. Let's keep you this know? thing contained, guys. Let's try to keep this contained as much as we can, but... You know, enjoy the holidays. We all fucking deserve it this time around. Yes, get fat. Yes, get fat do. and enjoy your time with loved ones, all right? Turkey and for- cake. <laughs> so if this is the last one before Thanksgiving from all of us at the Jiu-Jitsu Times, we wish you a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Mazel tov, everybody. <laughs> oh, that was-